0: to the always adventurous Kronos Quartet in a piece by Glenn Kochi who is perhaps best known as the drummer and percussionist for the rock band Wilco, but here is wearing his composer hat. We heard Kronos Quartet with Glenn Kochi on percussion, Glenn's piece Anomaly, Movement 2 from his new disc Adventureland. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted, and today on my program I have the great good fortune to have Glenn as my guest. Glenn, thanks so much for being
1: here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Tell me about this new album, Adventureland, how did how did it start?
1: Well. It started a while ago, because I guess it's been my last record, Mobile, came out in 2006 which was my third record that was all percussion. And right after that came out, I started getting commissions to compose for other groups because mobile was the first time I actually kind of composed, and it was for all percussion. I played all the parts, but I guess people got in their minds that I could uh, compose after that, and they started commissioning me. So You're talking about um, classical
0: music groups. Yeah,
1: classical music groups, chamber music groups, right. and individuals. And so I basically started uh, this new territory for me that, um, you know, I'm, I have a degree in classical percussion, but I've never been trained in composition uh, per se. So I was this whole new kind of exploratory area for me to, to figure out, am I a composer? Do I have something to say? Um, how am I going to do this? And it kind of started out with that. And then the new record's kind of a document of where that's gone over the last uh, six or seven years.
0: I've listened to a lot of Wilco, the band that you're in, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of parts in some of those songs really where, where it stretches out, breaks down, I and mean, it sounds almost contemporary classical-ish. You're already having that freedom is what I'm getting at within Wilco to a certain extent. Is, th- is there more freedom in writing for chamber ensembles? Is it a different entity? What, uh, what does that give you?
1: Totally different experience, even though I think they are mutually informative. You know what I learn in one I can transfer to the other to a degree, and also you know just the appreciation level for what I have. When I'm doing one thing, I kind of appreciate the other as well. But um, you know, in in Wilco, I'm I'm the drummer percussionist. I'm one of six, uh, so there's a lot of collaboration there, a lot of group decisions. You know, uh, when you're part of a, a group like that, you don't always just get to do what you want. You have to do what's right. For the music, and and especially it's a rock band, so there's lyrics involved. So, you know, that's kind of front and center for a lot of the tunes. So I have to, you know, keep that in mind, too, and, and make sure I keep it interesting, but also play a certain role, you know, making everything else fit together. When I compose, I'm completely on my own. So it is part of the adventure for me from Adventureland. That's how I got the title: is that it is this kind of mysterious, scary new territory for me um, that I'm delving into. Um, but it is it's a, a, a hermetic exercise, you know. Even though I do, I'd say most of the stuff on the record was composed on the road. There's a lot of downtime when I'm touring in a rock band, so a lot of it was written in hotel rooms on days off or on the tour bus after a show or before soundcheck uh, or in airports. But, um, yeah, it's a completely different skill set. And not having those other people to bounce ideas off, um, you know, you definitely have to learn to trust uh, your instincts and your intuition. And uh, it's, it's been a really great experience.
0: And of course, the flip side of that is you don't have these collaborators that, that, are, that are helping you build the piece. You kind of have to give, as we were saying before the taping, the piece is your baby and you're giving it to these other people. What right. does it feel like to sit in the audience and, and listen to your piece? Is that must be an interesting experience.
1: It is. It's usually terrifying because you have no idea, you know, it's, you, like you said, you're completely handing it over. Um, and I've talked to some other composers about this and, you know, and it's just a, a common experience that we all, as, as you know, that we all uh, go through. Sometimes it's a good night, sometimes it's not a good night. But at the same time, I usually, um, or I've been fortunate enough to work with a caliber of musicians who are just phenomenal, world-class musicians across the board. So I quickly realized that by letting them in on the process too, I ask a lot of questions. I like to take suggestions and direction, you know, from the players because I want it to be theirs as well. So I almost feel like once I do turn in a piece, once it's handed over, it is no longer mine. I don't think of it so much of it as my baby or my child anymore. It's more like, it's yours now, and a lot of times I'll defer questions in recording sessions or things like that. Um, I'll make the performers decide what feels best for them, what their instincts are, just because I, I want them to internalize the piece, too. And I think uh, they'll perform it with a lot more emotion and meaning if they have some some degree of ownership over it as well.
0: Let's return to that piece, Anomaly, and have a listen to the, the fruits of that collaboration. This will be Movement 3 of Anomaly. We're going to hear the Kronos Quartet with Glenn Kochi performing, and he is also the composer. Thank mm-hmm. incredible piece by Glenn Kochi, Anomaly. That was movement three. This is a commission by Kronos Quartet, and we heard Glenn himself on percussion. Really fantastic music from a disc called Adventureland. Glenn is my guest today on Relevant Tones. Glenn, you had the idea for Anomaly at a Kronos Quartet
1: concert, is that right? Well, it wasn't really the idea for Anomaly. It was the idea that um, I was watching them at Zankel Hall um, premiere, a Terry Riley piece, and just looking at them set up on stage um, in the arc and realizing, like, you know what, I wonder if if I ever did – feel like writing for something other than percussion you know string quartet four players in an arc right there you know i've got four limbs it's easily transferable to what i do how i think about composing and so when i got the call from david harrington um asking me to write a piece for them i kind of knew where to start at least i i i struggled for a while trying to you know come up with melodies and ideas and then and then i just kind of threw everything away and sat down at the drums and remembered that experience and just decided to start writing it on the drum kit. So I you know, made, let's say, the, the cello was my left foot, viola was my left hand, violins were on my right side, and basically started playing patterns and permutations of things, and, and then I would just uh, transfer that directly to the strings mm-hmm. and kind of add pitches and then let it grow from there. But that was the how the material initiated most of it, that in mm-hmm. one improvised vibraphone melody, which is the theme that goes through all seven movements.
0: How far does that analogy of the four limbs and the drum kit go? In other words, the right foot is often the bass drum. Are you thinking of the cello? I mean, does does it have that kind of role of holding down Uh, A steady beat pattern or?
1: You can see that in some of these movements, but then I've also, you know, quickly abandoned that after I started doing it, you know, and coming up with some other ideas because I didn't want to just relegate the, uh, you know, like my left foot is a timekeeper when I play drum set. I didn't want to, you know, the cello has a lot more to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can has a lot more possibilities than just keeping time. So I wanted to mix those responsibilities up. But um, since then, I've actually written a lot of stuff for chamber groups or individuals that started on drum set. So I know that... You know, I mean, when these people come to me knowing I'm not um, a trained composer, I think they want something that's original, something that's fresh, something that's coming from my experience, because there's, you know, so many composers out there that they could ask uh, if they wanted a different type of piece. So that's when I have to just trust my my experiences and kind of take everything from the perspective of a percussionist and one who also plays in a rock band and one who did a lot of free improvising. And, you know, that's just kind of where my ideas originate from. And I think when I keep to that, I know that what I'm writing at least is going to be something honest. Whether it's good or not, it's going to be something honest and and something valid for me. Well, let's have a listen to more
0: of Glenn's compositional sensibilities. We're going to return to the piece Anomaly. We're going to hear movements four, five, and seven. Again, this is the Kronos Quartet performing with Glenn himself on percussion. More music from Glenn Kochi, his wonderful new album, Adventureland. We heard movements four, five, and seven of the piece Anomaly. This piece was commissioned by the Kronos Quartet, who we heard performing there with Glenn on percussion. Glenn Cochi is my guest today on Relevant Tones. Glenn, tell me, um, how did you get the title Adventureland? Where did that come from?
1: Yeah, I mean, it basically came from this new part of my musical personality, um, going from just, you know, always being a drummer and percussionist uh, to being a composer as well. It's this new territory. It's a little... uh it's an adventure, but it's also a little mysterious and scary for me, and, and that works into the title kind of um, where I grew up out in Roselle, Illinois. There was a, um, a closed-down, abandoned amusement park called Adventureland uh, in Medina, which is right next door that we would always have to pass, to to get to the main, the main uh, road. Um, and I just remember as a little kid, you know, I think my older siblings actually went there because it was open. But as a little kid, just seeing this barbed wire fence and uh, trees and all this uh, vegetation growing through all these kind of dilapidated, rusting rides that uh, everything was in disrepair and falling apart. And I remember it just being kind of like this weird, scary, you know, it should be fun. It should look like fun, but just a dangerous, weird place. Uh, and so for me, just those two things kind of coming together, that this was an adventure. It's a new part of my uh musical life. And at the same time, it's, um, you know, I'm going into it with a little trepidation because I'm not, uh, you know, I didn't set out to do it. I've kind of stumbled on it on accident, being asked by, by groups to compose for them. And so it's been an adventure. So this is basically a document of my first, you know, first phase as a, as a composer.
0: You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My guest today is drummer and percussionist extraordinaire Glenn Coachee, who, in his new album, Adventureland, is showing off his chops as a composer. You can find out more about the show on our Facebook page or at relevanttones.com. Drummer, percussionist, and composer Glenn Coachee is my guest today on Relevant Tones. We're talking about his new disc, Adventureland. Glenn, tell me about this piece, "The Haunted." This was inspired by a place that uh, was haunted, and well, may may or may not still be haunted.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to make any sort of commentary on on whether it's haunted or not. I, you know, I don't have that sense that can uh, detect paranormal uh, activity. <laughs> but I, I know a lot of people who who claim they can. In in this place, the Sloss uh, Furnaces outside of Birmingham is notoriously haunted. And I played there twice with Wilco. They kind of turned it in, you know, to an outdoor kind of park with a big... live music venue in it so I played there twice with Wilco and the first time I went there you know just walking around the place and hearing talking to security and stuff about all their experiences of the place being haunted and all the freaky stuff that they saw it was just really interesting to me because it was a bright beautiful sunny day we got there super early so I just walked around the place for a long time and still had about five hours to kill before sound check so I just uh, opened up my computer and started a piece and it turned out to be the first movement of the haunted which is for two pianos Um, So it's called The Haunted Furnace, and it is kind of this cacophonous, just uh, extremely aggressive piece for two battling pianos. Um, So it seemed like The Haunted Furnace was apt imagery to to, um, attach to to the music. And then from there, the piece just kind of grew. I I actually took it to Lisa Kaplan, um, the amazing pianist from 8th Blackbird, to... um, check out to make sure everything was playable if it all made sense and she really dug the piece and and i think she didn't like the way it ended even though i love the way it ends kind of leaves you off without a really obvious resolution which you know i also think fits into the the whole title of it but uh, she suggested I write a second and third movement. Um, and so I toyed with that idea, and then I thought, like, you know, I had uh, different ideas. I wanted it to be for two celestes than two pianos. So I was like, okay, they can double on celeste for certain um, movements. And I was doing a residency at Dartmouth uh, College, and Doug Perkins, who's uh, the professor there then, who now also plays with um, 8th Blackbird occasionally, um, and he's got the perkins Miem duo he suggested that uh, instead of for two cellists, that it be for two percussionists because, you know, he's like, hey, getting two decent tel- cellists in the same city on the same stage. It's expensive. It's, you know, there's already all this rep for, for two pianos, two percussion. It could be programmed. He made a very convincing case for it. And so then from there, the piece took off and I, and I wrote the other five movements. So the piece just kind of blossomed from there. Well, let's have a listen to three movements of
0: this piece, The Haunted. We're going to hear The Haunted Dance, The Haunted Furnace, and then The Haunted Viaduct. Our performers are Lisa Kaplan and Yvonne Lamb, piano, and Matthew Duvall and Doug Perkins' percussion, with some additional percussion by Glenn Kochi, who is also, of course, the composer. Music inspired by the Stose Furnaces in Alabama, which have been rumored to be haunted for many, many years and were explored by Glenn Kochi when his band, Wilco, played there. We heard the Haunted Dance, the Haunted Furnace, and the Haunted Viaduct. I think you can really get a sense of, uh, of the place in that music. Wonderful music by Glenn Kochi. This is from his new album, Adventureland. Our performers were Lisa Kaplan and Yvonne Lamb piano, Matthew Duvall and Doug Perkins percussion, and Glenn Kochi himself on additional percussion. Glenn Kochi is my guest today on Relevant Tones, and we're talking about his new album, Adventureland. You know, Glenn, one of the things that really struck me about this album when I looked at it is it's very different from a quote-unquote normal classical album in which if there's a couple of pieces that have different movements, all the movements will be in a row, and then the next piece and those movements will be in a row. But here you've chosen to break up the movements from the different pieces and intersperse them. Is that something that stems from your rock background? Were you thinking of the concept album, or where did that idea come from?
1: Yeah, basically, I thought about doing that at first, and then it seemed like, well, why should I? Just because that's what people do on, on classical records. Um, for me, it felt a lot better to kind of give the record itself a very interesting architecture um, and its own process of unfolding. And the music was written for a live experience, but the recording experience is, is a different experience entirely. So I wanted it to, to suit that medium specifically so that's why i broke up the movements put them in different places um edited changed some of them even a little bit um you know for the chronos piece there's two live versions movement um five and movement one are completely different on the record than they are live just because i wanted it to be a record and that definitely comes from you know being in rock bands and thinking a lot about sequencing and how a record should unfold and also um oddly enough at the same time i started um befriending on the road a lot um chefs there are a lot of chefs who were Wilco fans or just a lot of chefs who I ended up bumping into and I started to talk to them about how they sequence like tasting menus and things like that and I started picking a lot of brains of some celebrity chefs and getting ideas about oh yes the different sequence of tastes and you know you don't necessarily put all the you know sweets together and all the savories you know you mix it up you make it interesting you play with ideas um and so I wanted it to basically, to be a proper record instead of a documentation of these pieces on a record. Well, it's very similar, too. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I mean, you taste a bite of food differently based on what you've tasted before that. And I think the same can be said for music. You're going to hear a piece differently in the context of having heard something
1: Exactly. And it might come off as a little schizo to some listeners. But for me, you know, seven pieces of string quartet with drum set and five pieces of, you know, two pianos, two percussion. They work together. But having the movements displaced out of order, breaking it up, cleansing the palate Mm -hmm. in the ears, you know, um, I think I think made sense for me. And I I like the way it, it works that way.
0: Is everything uh, that we hear acoustic? Were there, were there some effects added later in post? Or how, how did that work with the mixing? In?
1: Um, just on a couple of the Kronos um, pieces, I play electronic percussion. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, everything's acoustic. I think there's a couple effects added. I think we you know, have a, a couple of delays, um, maybe reverse violin and one cadenza of David Harrington. And then uh, for the collage, Triple Fantasy, that I took free reign and put things in, you know, out of order took basically stems from a piece i had written for for the entire group eighth black word, and the the movements of the anomaly that were changed from the live versions as well as field recordings of mine and some electronic pieces of mine and i kind of collaged them all together into this one piece um so for that i i you know took liberties of slowing things down putting them in halftime to putting them in reverse um Playing with them kind of sculpturally, I guess.
0: Are you talking about Triple Fantasy? Yeah, that's yeah, Triple Fantasy. Yeah. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> Tell me okay. about Triple Fantasy. It does have elements of all the things that we hear on the disc. How did, how did you put that together?
1: Well, I think it probably came about, I, I don't like long records, um, like super, super long records. Uh, I remember in the 90s listening to a lot of records, a lot of rock records and stuff yeah, that were but you know, 70s minutes. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's just too long. You don't have to put everything on there mm-hmm. just because you recorded it. I wanted to keep it concise. I wanted it to be a powerful record. And also I know that this record's a, enough of a, a departure for people who've listened to my, my previous work that, um, you know, I wanted to keep them along for the ride. And so, so basically I wanted to keep it under 60 minutes. And I had... Much more music than that, so I decided to. Well, what happens if I take uh, these four pieces and just put them on top of each other? Um, and I started messing with it, and I just loved the results.
0: You're layering the recordings on top of each other, yeah. or actually layering the musical, the composed material. No, I didn't.
1: It was it was the already the recordings, oh, okay, and I okay. took the recordings and, and collaged them. That's cool. And then with my my amazing engineer Pat Burns, um, you know, he made him cleaned up all the the messy the messy ends of it. But, yeah, so I just got that idea. And I guess, you know, I listen to a lot of field recordings that I make, a lot of other people's field recordings. Um, I, I love, you know, Luke Ferrari, a lot of music concrete, Pierre Schaeffer. And so I think it, it kind of resembles that in my mind at least, even if it doesn't sound anything like that. Well, let's have a listen to this musical collage by Glenn
0: Kochi. This is Triple Fantasy. Music from Glenn Kochi's new album, Adventureland, that is called Triple Fantasy, and it's actually a collage of a lot of the material that he created for the album. So a wonderful piece there by Glenn Cochi, who is my guest today on Relevant Tones. You can find out more about his activities on his website, glencochi.com. That's Glenn with two N's, K-O-T-C-H-E.com, and Twitter, the same thing, at Cochi. When the album's available, I assume, on Amazon, iTunes, all the usual yep. outlets through mm-hmm. your website as Maybe well. Maybe even
1: some stores. Yeah, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's
0: amazing. The album, again, is called Adventureland. Glenn, thank you so much for being a guest today on Rolling no, Tones. No,
1: great to be here. Thanks so much.
0: We have just a little bit more time, so I want to play as much as we can get in of this wonderful piece called The Traveling Turtle for Gamelan. And this is the Gamelan Galactica with Evan Zaporin directing, again, music by Glenn Kochi from his new album, Adventureland. Thank you. produced by Jesse McCorders at WFMT with special thanks to Steve Robinson and Tony Macaluso. The series is made possible by the generous support of Grosvenor Capital Management, the Aaron Copland Fund for Music, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm Seth Bosted, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.